Welcome back to Word Seats in the House. Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta, coming to you live from Tuttle's very special night. Margot LaPanta came out. Margot is not listening. Everybody else, I'd say quiet. Everybody quieted down. Margot's just talking away back there like there's no tomorrow. She's heard most of these stories before. Yeah, that's true. Um, so Margo's uh, back there with... Uh, she was a little nervous on the way down here because she... We're going to put her on the mic. She hasn't... Well, she hasn't quite accepted just walking in at 6.58 for a 7 o'clock show yeah. quite yet. Well, so let's I, put it this as way. we were driving and yeah. she was checking the ETA that it says we're not going to get there till 6.57. I said, well, the show's at 7. We're perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I've never checked the ETA before ever. So it, well, I said to is, Brandon, I said, is there any chance that Anthony knows there's a podcast tonight? And then the first person I saw was Margo. I'm like, thank God. <laughs> so Margo took control of your calendar, somehow remembered. And Margo will be our special guest later to roast uh, Anthony. Uh, one of these days we'll get her on. Maybe we'll have to feed her a couple of drinks. Um, so welcome back to Tuttle's here. Uh, we haven't been here in a while. It looks absolutely awesome. Uh, they've done a lot of renovations. Uh, um, so thanks uh, for coming on out. We're actually going to be out here a week from today as well, November 28th, Anthony, just so you know, uh, 7 p.m. I got it. It's in my calendar. Yep. Uh, so 6.59 for Anthony, 7 o'clock. Uh, <laughs> the podcast else. will start. Uh, you all can get here earlier. Tuttle's November 28th. Um, we also here have an awesome night. We got grain belts here. We're going to be doing a raffle at the end of the show for a couple of Northeast hats, but also the opening and closing songs of this podcast for as long as I've done this podcast was donated by Trampled by Turtles. Opening song is Victory. The uh, closing song is Winners. Well, uh, their album release concert is Saturday night at the Armory. And Grain Belt has two VIP tickets for that show on Saturday night. So we'll be doing uh, a live uh, little raffle there for the you most You invited me to go to the show with you. Does that mean I have to win the raffle? Or no, no, I, 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 I already got four tickets. So you are more than welcome to come. All right. But um, we are going to be doing this raffle for the most prestigious gift that we've ever given away on the Worst Seats in the House, House podcast. So very excited about that. Also, Jody Anderson is here. She'll be coming on later on the show to talk about her uh, new book, the second edition of Hockey Moms Aren't Crazy. We'll ask uh, where she – we'll actually maybe get her son up to find out if that's true. Um, so last night – is that last night? It feels like a month ago. It was last night that the Wild played, right? No, two nights ago. Oh, okay. It was two nights ago. So two nights ago – Saturday night. Um, talk about a flair for the dramatic, right? Uh, Alex Goligoski plays his thousandth game on October 20th. Um, they are, uh, I mean, to me, like, it was a really weird last probably three or four weeks. October 20th was the last time he played. He scratched 12 of the next 13 games. He plays in there on one game um, where he's just kind of, like, relegated to be the seventh defenseman, plays nine minutes. Last, I felt like two nights ago they basically put him in so not to embarrass him, right? He's getting honored for his thousandth game. His family's going to be on the ice. And so they play him. He's got two suites full of, of people in the crowd. And so they play him in that game. He not only plays well, he plays seven and a half more minutes than Kalen Addison. And then he comes out there on the second shift of overtime with Sam Steele and Freddie Goudreau and wins the game. Ryan Carter and I talked about it after the broadcast that night that there's – there are some times where you really step back and you have to appreciate how good a handle Dean Evison has on his club and how he preaches, practices what he preaches when it comes to playing time and who's on the ice. And it was evident in that game early that 
Goligowski was playing well, and he played a ton. And in a, against a skating team, he's a good skater. He still has great speed. He depended on him, used him a ton throughout the throughout the, the entire game. And then when it got to the overtime, that was exactly the point we made was, I think it's as significant as anything that he went to those guys on the second rotation. And there was no entitlement that because you're Jared Spurgeon and you're the captain or you're Matt Dumba and you're the veteran, you're the assistant, whatever. It doesn't matter. He went with the guys that he thought were playing the best that night. Sam Steele was one of them and Goligoski was another and they rewarded him. And I think it's, number one, it, it was an unbelievable story. It was like a movie script with, with how it ended and his emotion in the postgame interview was so raw and so true. It was... It was a special night, and there have been a few of those over the years. I, the one that kept jumping out to me was Nate Prosser scoring the winner when Hockey Day was hosted by Elk River. But the, that one, to me, was exceeded anything we've seen. I mean, Koivu scored the shootout winning goal when, on his 1,000th game night when he hadn't played a ton during the game, yeah. but then scored the There have just been nights like that. But I think the this one might have taken the cake. Might have been number one on the list. Your goal of all call of those. was awesome. I mean, you could see hear the emotion in your eyes, and then to see hear his emotion after the game, um, where you know that was that was a release of tension. Um, that Not just for uh, him, but for the whole team. Yeah. The team desperately needed that win, and yep. to get it in the way they got yep. it. It was the first time they've won a game this year in the fashion they won so many last year coming from behind, scoring late to tie it, pushing it into the overtime, finding a way to win, and doing it. This was really their first, I don't want to say quality win, because every win in the NHL is a quality win, and every team's good enough to beat you, but this was the best team they've beaten this year, and it was a team that was playing well when they beat them. Yep. I got you. I can't even, like, you are so loud in my ear right now because I can't hear myself well, think, good, but there listen, we go. Just pay um, attention. Yeah. So, um, I mean, the one, the you know, the uh, talking to his parents after the game. I mean, that's the one thing that I that really struck me is that we always look at these players as like, you know, they're athletes. But we and he's thirty seven years old. Oh, he's a pro, and clearly he's been a pro behind the scenes, not creating issues. But the one thing that was so obvious here the last um, three four weeks was that this was coming to a head. And talking to his parents the other night, it just felt like you know behind the scenes he's been real real frustrated and not totally understanding why he wasn't at least getting rotated in every now and then. And then for him to come out there, you know, I'm sure that the last three, four weeks, he was starting to worry, like, are they about to end my career here? You know, I mean, this is, this is somebody that wants to play hockey. He wants to play in Minnesota, but he wants to play. And, you know, this is a guy that was what, plus whatever? What was he last year? He was plus like almost. 30s. He was plus in the thirties. I don't yeah. remember what he ended up. He was like he tenth was, in the league. And I think it's as much wondering if he wanted to end his career as much as are they about to end my career. I yeah. think he was just questioning and wondering how much longer do I want to do this, and all of that was happening. And you're right. The the first point you made about the fact that sometimes overlooked and forgotten in all of these settings are that these guys are people. So when people start to talk about oh, that we should trade this guy, we should dump this guy, we should cut this guy, we should bench this guy, we should, this guy's a bum, and just the, the insults that get thrown out. I always step back and say, just remember, this guy's a human, and he has a family, yes. and he's got a wife that's reading what you post as a nameless, faceless, gutless fan on Twitter. His wife is reading that, 
and maybe his kids are reading that and they're hearing about it in school or whatever. And it's so much different. There's so much more to it. The, this isn't a fantasy hockey roster. This is a human being. And, and in Alex's spot, I think you're right, he's handled it great. But I know behind the scenes he's been frustrated and you could feel that get released yeah. that night. And he requested it. He met with uh, Dean Evason. He's been in touch with Bill Guerin. And, uh, you know, obviously they have a very special relationship as well. So, uh, you know, obviously he's going to be in Wednesday's game against the, uh, the Winnipeg Jets. And now it's going to be really interesting what that lineup looks like because they're going to go back to the 12-6. They're not playing 11-7 again, especially because they're, you know, they have an afternoon game on Friday. They're not going to sit there and play uh, Kirill Kaprizov 24 minutes again. Assuming that Greenway can play, yeah. which, I'm, which everything but, tells you that yeah. he can. But even if he can't, they're going to throw Rossi back in him. But, it, but here's my point is that if Greenway comes back in, I don't think they're pulling Nick Patan out. So Rossi right. might be scratched a second game in a row, and then the question is, where do they go from here with Marco? Well, I think it's fine to let him sit upstairs for a couple games. They're not going to do that for a week and a half, two weeks. Then it's then it makes more sense to keep him playing. But Or send him down. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Keep him playing, meaning send him down and keep him playing. But I don't think there's anything wrong with having him sit for a couple games and and you just never know. Things change so fast where somebody else gets banged up, somebody else has a bad night. Internal pressure and internal competition is a good thing. Nick Patan, I thought, was great the other night. I think the bigger question is on the blue line because... I think no, Addison. I think Kalen Addison might be the guy yeah. out. And and the what I was about to say is that the reason he was in the lineup and was a no-brainer to stay in was because of what he was bringing on the power play when the power play was going great early. But the power play's dried up lately. So why not play Goligoski and and you've got other guys who would probably be able to... The power play's not going to suffer anymore with somebody else as the defenseman. Now, what do you think they do? Put Spurgeon, obviously, on the number one unit. What would they do with the probably two? Probably they... play Goligoski on the second unit. Okay. The way he, was, yeah. the way he played so the Goose other night. So and Brodeen or maybe Brodeen and a fourth forward? I'd say maybe... Goligoski yeah. in a fourth. But point. no Dumba. I would not. And that's just a guess. That would be my guess. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. I mean, you know, Kalen played seven and a half minutes the other night, so he was sort of that odd guy out. And then again, with Winnipeg coming and they're a big, strong team, you think you're going to want John Merrill in. Right. So, that's why I think yeah. Addison would be the totally logical guy to come out. But I think it was interesting that Goligoski played as much as he did because Carolina is such a skating and possession mm -hmm. team. His skating ability was a major factor. And I mean, there have been some points this season where I know that Dean has looked at it and said, as soon as a defenseman has a lousy night, they have no qualms about playing Alex Goligoski. It's just that look at the way the team had played defense over the last 10 games. 26 was, goals in the last 13 games. Yeah, there was no and reason to make a change. In one of those games. And, so. and in that yeah. game, one was an empty netter, one was a five-on-three goal. So yeah. it's there really there just hasn't been a need or a reason to pull somebody out of the lineup, and I don't think that Dean is wired the way to pull somebody just for the sake of making a change, somebody would have had to play their way out of the lineup, and nobody had done that. Yeah. Um, just uh, how about – we mentioned Patan. I mean, that, like he looks to me like somebody that could stick around for a while. I mean, he, he – I like this game. He's played 155 NHL games. He's basically been a regular. You know, last year he kind of split time between – where was he in Vancouver? Where was he last year? In Toronto last year, Vancouver yeah, the year so before. Yeah, so he was, you know, he split time a little bit, but, you know, the last couple of years he hasn't spent a lot of time in the minors. But he's been he, a point-of-game guy yeah. in the American Hockey League. Yeah. He has some skill. He isn't just, a, he isn't just a, a grinder-type guy. He's, a, he's got 
he has some offensive flair to his game. I thought he was really good the other night. I, I don't see any reason why that they make a change in the forward group other than the addition of Greenway for the next game. Yep. But you think if Greenway if Greenway cannot play, you don't think they'll go back to 11-7, right? You think Rossi plays? I don't I know think about Rossi that. plays. I'm not sure about that. Yeah. But either way, I think I think Greenway probably plays and they play. Right. Um, Kaprizov, Zuccarello, looked much more like themselves the other day, in large part because Sam Steele seemed to fit with them. Um, you know, Steele scores the winning goal, the tying goal with 2.37 left. He sets up the winning goal in overtime. Um, they haven't, you know, the, the, it's weird because Kaprizov, he has a six-game point streak, but he hasn't scored in five. And it, he's not getting a volume of shots that we're used to seeing. He, it's, it's just, it does feel like he's a, kind of alone on an island. What do, well, you, do you see his game taking a turn, or do you see him the same guy? Right I now? think it's more the people playing against him. And I think it's no small thing. When you think about the fact that last year, number one, you had a the, the Erickson Felino Greenway line intact, so those guys are playing 18 minutes a night and they're absorbing shifts against the other team's best. They're changing games by ending shifts in the offensive zone, and now a lot of nights you're able to get Kaprizov and Zuccarello an offensive zone start at home against another team's third pair. Then you have the secondary scoring line of Boldy and Fiala and Gaudreau that was at least drawing some attention from opponents. Now this is the only line that's scoring. So every shift they're playing, they're going up against the one-two defensive Burn pair. Slavin. Right, and that that's tough. It's that that wears you down and can sometimes make a guy look like he's off. When I didn't really, I thought the other night they were really good against Carolina. I thought they won a lot of puck battles. They yeah. were. They were hard to play against, and I thought it was interesting that it didn't matter which coach had last change. If it was an icing call and Carolina had the chance to match lines, they went with the same matchups, and it was their scorers against the Kaprizov line. It was the stall line against the Erickson Eck line. I think both, both guys just felt these are the matchups we want. Let's go. It was unbelievable because the Wild are not usually the best face-off team in the league, and Carolina is usually one of the best face-off teams in the league. And the Wild just ate him up for lunch the other day, especially Eric Sinek, who's been playing great hockey lately. And I think that's one big reason why that team had trouble getting the puck, why the, why the Wild defended so well in the third period. It just felt like they had the puck the entire period, and they held Carolina without a shot for 12 and a half minutes. Yeah, I thought it was as thorough a game as the Wild have played. And yeah. it, was, they, it was good to see him get rewarded with a win because it would have been when there were five, six minutes left in the game and you could almost just hear the post-game press conference saying, if we play the way we played tonight every night, we're going to win a lot of games. So it was nice to see him get rewarded for that and finally come from behind and win one rather than just battle but fall short. If you have any questions, feel free to come up to the microphone here. Sam Steele, um, you know, junior star. Um, you know, people forget that 28 world, 2018 World Junior Team that they won a uh, silver medal. Um, that was a, a Sam Steele. He was second best forward, second highest scoring forward on the team behind Kairou by one point. He had more points than Kale McCarr in that tournament. This is somebody that might be equipped to, to fill in there until uh, Hartman comes back at some point. Yeah, I think his game has been really good over the last couple of weeks, and they gave him an opportunity. Now, as Dean has said with so many guys over the course of the year, now you've earned the spot. You're not just there because somebody else is out. You've earned it. Now don't give it back. Keep it. Take it and run with it. Make Play so well that 
we can't put anybody in your spot. And if one game is any indication, Steele certainly was up for that challenge. Yeah, a goal and assist doesn't make a, a season by any stretch. And he was smart enough after the game to say that. he's You know, he had a line, and it sounded so cliche, but it's so true. He said, this is a day-by-day league. And not a day-to-day league, a day-by-day league. And it is so, so true. I mean, you know, look, Tyson Jost at one point in the last month was centering the top line. Then he's thrown on waivers. We've seen that, obviously, with Victor Rask. We saw Goudreau get a spot there. He doesn't, he, he, he doesn't stick, and they throw Steele there. But, you know, if Steele goes there the, in, a couple, you know, in a game and he's not good enough, he knows he's going to be off of it. And we see that all the time, not just in players' roles, but also teams. I mean, the Blues... Charlie Coyle just scored. The Blues are a team that lost eight straight games. Now they've won six in a row. They were going to blow that team up at one point. And it just shows how fickle this league is. And that's why, if you remember, it was this time last year, the Wild, even though they were 11-6-1 at the time, it felt like they were sort of sputtering a bit. Then they go to New Jersey. They throw Hartman on the top line um, with seven Zuccarello, and they won the eight, eight straight games from that point on. So could this be the beginning? We'll, we'll find out soon. We'll see. I think it's a long way to go before you do that. But I do think Sam Steele's game has been good. He's, he brings a little bit to the table, which is what, you know, as good a player as Freddie Gaudreau is, he's a responsible player. He wasn't adding a ton to yeah. that top group. And Steele, I think his game has, he's had more speed. He's had more jump. We talked about him when they acquired him, that this was a guy, a lot like we talked about Tyson Jost, though, to be honest, in that it was a guy that we always felt might, do more in the NHL, might score more, might bring more, and just never quite fit right in Anaheim. And maybe this will be the this maybe this is the little spark that ignites his game the rest of the way this Absolutely. year. The holiday season is just around the corner, and if you're like my family, that means a ton of cooking. Make sure you are getting the most out of your cooking with Connecticut's K5 drinking water system. The Connecticut K5 drinking water system makes it convenient to get purified water right from your sink or fridge. Certified to remove more contaminants than any other system with 99% removal. My friends over at Aquarius Home Services in Connecticut can help you. They installed my K5 drinking water system for me, and it's the best decision I've made for healthy drinking water and makes my recipes top-notch, and I haven't even mentioned my coffee. If you want to learn more about Connecticut's K5 drinking water system, contact Aquarius for a free water analysis or visit them at AquariusHomeServices.com. And don't forget to mention Russo sent you. Take the checking account challenge from Royal Credit Union. Compare your checking account to Royal and see why it makes sense to switch. Royal's checking accounts have no hidden fees and lots of free features that make it easy to stay on top of your money. You can deposit checks with Royal's mobile app, receive real-time notifications when transactions happen, and even freeze your debit card in seconds. See what other features you're missing out on and make the switch to a Royal checking account at rcu.org slash royalchallenge, insured by NCUA. Had a couple of great meals around our house lately. We had an opportunity with the team on the West Coast and all national TV, or I should say nationally streamed games that put us on the sidelines for a while, but it allowed for some great dinners at home. And one of them that we had that was particularly good featured a couple items from Kowalski's that were new. And one is a new grass-fed, fully organic steak that we tried that was terrific. If you like grass-fed, if you like the cleaner taste of the meat, it was good. I personally prefer the Akaushi cuts to it, but it was it was good to try. But the other thing we had that night were their scallops, and I know we've talked about these before. They've switched to a dry-packed 
ne- fresh, never frozen line of scallops, and they are incredible. We had a, a group over here for dinner, and they all raved about them. They don't cook down, so don't be fooled by the smaller size. They're a little sweeter, but just have terrific flavor, terrific taste. Anytime that you're going to entertain, you got to start with the with the best ingredients, and for that, Kowalski's is the place to go. Question. I was actually was just going to ask you about the the steel center and Caprizov and uh, Zuccarello, but you answered my question. What do you think? Do you think okay with Matt Dumba entering a contract year? What do you think is going to happen with him? Well, he's in a contract year, um, so it's not entering. Uh, so I think this is it. I, I think that they're going to trade him. Um, or just let him walk at the end of the year. I mean, it just to me, it's so obvious. And, and I think that if they could trade him by the deadline, they will, even if they're in it. Um, you know, I think that they then would buy a couple weeks, three weeks, whatever it would be, and then they'd throw Brock Faber potentially right into the lineup. Um, that's just my, my gut. I think that if they can make a parallel move with Dumba, even now, I think they would. Yeah. I think it's almost a no-brainer that he, that he won't be back with the team next year. So as much as I think they love his impact inside the room they like his energy the guys like him he's a leader he is a big part of this i just don't think if you've got a guy that you know isn't going to be back next year you have to be willing to to consider and maybe even pursue just about any option yeah i agree um any other questions before we go there we go what's up before we go where are we going uh before we call up jody oh okay yeah is, uh, Bruce I don't know. I wanted to go of about five minutes ago. I'll tell you that. I, I have never. I mean, for those listening at home, we had like, and I hope they're listening tomorrow. We had like a table of fourteen here that just wouldn't shut the f up. Like I thought I made it clear when I said that my that I had Lapanta, who I don't want in my ears, as loud as possible, so I could drown them out. But that didn't seem to catch their uh, attention. Yeah, I, mi- I missed that hint too. Right apparently, so. Now the radio's on, too. But come back to Tuttle's. It's a great establishment. Come on. All right. There you go. Is it uh, inevitable that Bruce Boudreaux is going to be fired here pretty quick? Um, I mean, yes. the th- yeah, but I would say, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. Um, I don't think they're handling this very well in, in Vancouver. Um, you would think at this point that they would just uh, ask Jim to, to stop going on the radio and and bashing the structure of the team and things like that and giving everybody attention, but uh, uh, giving the 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 players on the roster excuses, but uh, yeah, I think that which he, it wasn't that different under the last guy. Yeah, it was inevitable that Travis Green was going to get yeah. let go for way longer than yeah. really anybody thought it would possibly last, and it's it's probably time. And I think it was evident that Bruce was not the guy that was going to be there long term with the way they handled his contract negotiation the last time around. I think the bigger question is, do they hire somebody else, or does Mike Yo become another interim yeah. head coach? Yeah. By the way, how about the Devils now? Up 3-1 against the Oilers, riding a 12-game uh, winning streak. Unreal. Uh, I, was, I was texting back and forth with their head coach this morning just about how, how good they're playing. I had Tom Fitzgerald on the podcast last week as well, and they are for real. That had a lot to do with what we were talking about, but yep. it's as well, long as you've already right made. I know it's your attention span wavered, but it's the actually the I read an interesting article that was written by Pierre LeBrun about that. Did you read his story about the yep. the fire Lindy and then the started yeah. chanting "Sorry Lindy" yep. after the winning streak started? I thought that was a pretty good story. Oh, that was brilliant. 
Question. I just saw you at Starbucks. Yeah. My, uh, my, my coffee buddy. Appreciate it. Yeah. What's uh, up? Okay. So Tyson Jost meets the media in Buffalo and talks about uh, the team, quote, walking on eggshells. Um, and it sort of caused a firestorm. Like, oh, is the room, is there a problem in the room? And I agree with you that there's like a, in, in full context, he wasn't saying yeah, that there's toxic. No, when that, when that came out, um, uh, when that came out, um, you know, I immediately reached out to the beat writers. I'm like, can you send me the full quotes? Because I've, I've, I know what a quote, a, you know, taking a little four, four words and putting it on Twitter, what that sounds like. And the full context is not anywhere what it sounds like. He, he was basically saying because they got off to a bad start, everybody was walking on eggshells. Not that, the, uh, that there was any issue in the room, but that's just the way that sometimes things are portrayed on Twitter. Um, I read his quotes in full. I texted with him today, too, coincidentally, and he was not taking pot shots at the Wild. You know, he, he is fully um, um, accepting the fact that he, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's, if it's at all um, an excuse or not, for whatever reason, he admits that he, didn't have, he never found his rhythm on this team this year, and he's hoping to get that in Buffalo. But he was taking no shots at the Wild, even if you read the quotes that were given in full context. And his, the team is feeling pressure. He's not wrong about it. It yeah. is real. And I think when you listen to Alex Goligoski's post-game interview the other night in front of the crowd, the way he turned to the crowd and said, hey, stick with us. We're going to figure this out. They know that the, there's some antsiness among the fans because of the fact that the expectations were higher this year. And I think that's what he was talking about, is that this is a team that was expecting to pick up where they left off last year and is now searching for answers. You guys have been around the league a while. I guess, like, is there a deeper point that maybe not Jost is saying the room is a problem, but, like, does feel like this team, when they slump, they slump hard, they get deep into their own heads? Or is this just, like, do, does every team every at, team this, does at this skill level go through something right like now. this? Every team, like, we, we are always alone on our own little, little island here. It's like every team in the league is 8-8-2. Eight, eight and two. And really good teams, teams that were expected to do a ton. Um, this is this is a it's a weird league because I it's like I look at this league and I see a lot of bad teams um, and a lot of teams that are very much the same and then there's only a couple teams that are truly elite right and Carolina even the teams that are elite yeah. look at the teams with the best two record in the league New Jersey and Vegas neither one of them came into this season as a no brainer I would say even a no brainer playoff team and they've just had things going their way and sometimes that happens. Teams just, they start to build confidence. It happened with the Wild last year where they just felt like every night they were going to find a way. But it's amazing how fast that can go away. And he mentioned earlier, St. Louis had an eight-game losing streak, and there were rumors there that it was time to start moving pieces. Well, now all of a sudden they've, they've won every game since. They just scored eight seconds into their game tonight. So the, this is a team that now all of a sudden feels invincible. That's not what you were talking about. Well, it is what I was talking about. It was, I was talking about St. Louis feeling invincible now, where now they just feel like everything's going their way. So it's it's amazing how things can change fast. Yeah. And but the point about that every fan base and every organization and every room deals with the same things. It's just that fans only see it from their own team. We used to talk about it with goaltenders. Every city you'd go to, every fan base thought their goalie gave up more soft goals yeah. than everybody else. Well, it's because they watch him play 82 nights a year, so they see 
all 15 soft goals he's given up, where they only see the opposing guy three times and maybe they don't see that. And everywhere you'd go, people would say things like, yep, that's typical of him, just a soft one once a week. And, and it's, it's crazy how everybody, you hear the same stories in every city. Granlund just scored. Barb. Hi, Michael. Hey. How's it going? Good. Um, just wondering, uh, with Joe being picked up by Buffalo, and we've got $2 million, I believe, in cap space now, mm-hmm. where's that money going to get spent? On the players think? that are called up right now. I mean, like, uh, like they don't just get $2 million bucks. I mean, right. they, you know, the, the, I mean, Patan's, Patan, Shaw, these are all guys that are making money. Um, you know, if Shaw goes down, in, you know, a little bit. I mean, they he's do get a little boost because yeah, they're I mean, making uh, yeah, less than I mean, what Jones is, was is making, like, but it's not just yeah. a, it's not just two million bucks in the bank right now. Right. You know, I mean, they're they're trying to accrue space so they can make some significant moves later in the year. The question is, does he have to do it sooner than later? I can tell you from doing reporting today, and I reported it tomorrow, that, that he is trying to actively. Um, um, According to sources of mine, actively find a top six forward, whether or not he's going to be able to do that now or later. Um, But I do think that that he is trying to add some sort of top six forward to this group right now because because he knows. I mean, right, you know, it's just it's probably not sustainable for them to every night try to win 2-1. I mean, they are defending really, really well right now. But what's concerning about the way that they're defending is they're not still not generating a ton of offense. They're 29th in the NHL in five on five goals. Um, you know, they've got to figure out a way to make life easier on them throughout the lineup, not just their goaltenders. Well, think about it. In, if you really simplify it to the base level, Kevin Fiala scored 35 last year. Ryan Hartman scored 34. 34. Yep. That's 69 goals that are out of your lineup that you basically didn't replace. That's almost a goal a night. And over an 82-game schedule, that's almost a goal a night. And when, in a league that plays up to three, Taking away one a night is a huge gap to try to fill. You know, and then to, you know, to add on to that, you have uh, Greenway, who, you know, had a career high in assists last year. You know, the one area where I think this team hasn't been good most of the year is on the wall. That's his bread and butter. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if he comes back on Wednesday night, um, you know, Friday. some point on this homestand, he's going to come back. I think a lot of this right now is mental with him. Um, you know, he's now three times essentially hurt his shoulder. And so I think anybody can understand how hard this is to, to play. So I think they've tried to get him a bunch of battle drills and things like that and to get him in the lineup. But, you know, hopefully that for them, their sake, they can, you know, somehow reunite that, that, that grief line and, and really, you know, you know, spend a lot of time in the offensive zone, create momentum like that line has been prone to do. So get a couple of raffle tickets. So... Oh, by the way, I have uh, wall calendars, a couple wall calendars here to uh, give away, too. It's got to be a really good question, though. Um, Jody, you want to come on up? You can use that microphone as well. So Jody Anderson um, reached out to me at some point this year. Um, she was doing a second edition of her Hockey Moms Aren't Crazy uh, book. And I believe she's even brought a couple of uh, giveaways, maybe. I don't know. I don't want to put words in her mouth and start giving away the stuff that she brought. But uh, so she reached out to me that she was doing the second edition of this hockey, uh, hockey, the, the, uh, the Hockey Moms Aren't Crazy book. And uh, I did the forward for that book, Anthony. Isn't that nice? Huh. Yeah. Well, that's the first thing I was going to read. The forward? The forward. My mom actually texted me. She's like, I think you actually like me. So, uh, Jody, like, where did this all begin? 
Well, my public, I work for a publisher. Okay. And I had kids that played hockey. You don't really have to read it in front of me. <laughs> I don't need you to read it. And I, of course, you always come home with all these hockey stories from your kids and whatnot. And my boss comes out and says, okay, I've heard enough. You need to write a book. And I went, nope, not doing it. Mm-mm. And he said, why not? I said, because I like my job. And if it sells five copies, I would just like to keep my job. So I come back in the next day. There's a contract on my desk. And he comes out and goes, see that? I went, yes, sir, I do. He said, sign that or you're fired. Wow. I went, excuse me? And he goes, no, you're not fired. But he said, I did some research, and there is nothing on the market like this book and the way I want to do it. So he convinced me. So eight months, six, eight months later, the book was produced. Um, the Minnesota Wild actually did my first book launch in 2013. Opened up a suite, brought in a cash bar. We sold 1,200 copies that wow. evening. Year to date, the first edition has sold over 10,000 copies. So with Michael Russo in this book, I expect twice that number. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so who... who Contributed. I know you were trying to reach out to some wild players. And yeah, wives. so what, what it, it started out being just some, some kind of like jokes and things like that. And I thought, no, I want more meat to this book. I want, I want hockey moms to feel appreciated because it seems like we always get the bad rap. We're those crazy women banging on the glass, getting kicked see, out I of the game. I don't see you guys as the bad rap. I see the guys as the bad rap. Uh, yeah. uh, well, well, maybe that's my second, my third it edition. It could be the third book. There yeah. are some crazy Hockey ones, dads but are I, crazy. But most of that them are. Hockey right. dads are crazy. Yeah. So, um, oh, where was I going with this? Uh, who, who you reach out to. Oh, yeah. So there's Olympians and there's NHL players in there. We have Winnie Brout Brown. We have Natalie Darwitz. We have Michael um, Aruzioni, who was, that was my, one of my favorite stories ever. I had first reached out to him way back when. Um, I had had a glass of wine, so I felt I was, okay, I'm good. I'll, I'll reach out to him and said, hey, Michael, I'm doing a, a hockey mom book. Would love a story about your mom gets back to me that quick and said, I love this idea, contact me at BU. So the next day I contact him, it goes into voicemail, a couple, three days go by, I don't think about it. Um, I never really forced people to be in it. So I'm driving in my Jeep, phone goes off, don't recognize the number, and I'm getting kind of annoyed because it's not going into voicemail. So I'm like, oh my God, please pick up the phone. So I picked up the phone and I said, hello, this is Jody, how can I help you? And on the other end he goes, Jody, Mike Caruzioni here, how you doing? <laughs> Boy, you wanna talk about instant personality change? Oh yeah, right there. So he's driving to the airport, told him I'm not ready. Long story short, I contacted him. We got a great six page story in the back of the book. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And so how is this book doing? It was oh, pre-launch at Amazon? Yeah, I just um, actually got a message from my publisher this morning saying, Okay, you're costing me money. We have to reprint again. We've actually sold out of this book three times. Wow! So Very it's cool. doing well. Yeah. So, um, so where, where, like, what hockey association are you from? All that type of stuff. Well, I grew up in Roseau. Okay. So that kind of yeah gives there you a little bit of my background. Crazy up there. Um, yeah. Moved to Cambridge, and so that's where uh, my kids, and that's actually my grandson, not my son. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. So, <laughs> you don't look old enough to have a grandson. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So is, is it true? Is our our, our hockey grandmoms uh, crazy, or or is she uh, she's good? There you go. Christmas is right around the corner. <laughs> so so um so and this again started. So you you like how long does it take you? Like I I'll be honest. I don't. I wrote one book in my life, and I didn't love the process by any stretch of the imagination. It's it's um like how long did did this take you? 
honestly, the first, the first book uh, took six to eight months just because the stories kept flowing. It was okay. just so easy. What I found and what I appreciated about the hot kid community is people were willing to share their stories. They wanted to talk about their mom and how, how important she was growing up while they were at the rink at 5 a.m. or whatever. So getting those stories weren't too difficult. Um, the second edition, kind of the same thing. I used social media a lot to reach out, and people were very, very, very sweet giving me their stories. So, and do you interview them, or do they write the? Do they write it themselves and I, submit it? I have interviewed a few. Otherwise, I'll just say, "Hey, just write me something like I did with you." Okay, very cool. And you liked my forward. I did. Although I read the foreword and I was about a paragraph into it and I thought it was fiction because it starts with, <laughs> I played hockey for 10 years, my mom barely missed a game, and then I wait, get to the bottom. Wait, no, it doesn't say I played hockey it, for 10 years. That's, here it says it's forward. So I start reading it and it turns out the foreword was not written by Michael Russo. Oh, okay. It was by somebody else because I was worried it was fiction. <laughs> then there's an introduction by Michael Russo oh, a few okay, pages later. All right, there you go. There got you. Go. So I got replaced. I got bumped you got the bumped. forward and so turned into the So you used to be intro. a forward. Now you're the intro. seventh defenseman yeah. in an 11 and 7 I did seven not play lineup. hockey for 10 years. Uh, that, is, that, that, is, was uh, my, that was my daughter. Yeah. I, I, uh, now this one starts with I don't play hockey, can barely skate. Now that I believe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, well, that's awesome. And so uh, so you brought a mug here and I a did. book. And I did. And to give away? How yes. do you want to do the giveaway? Um. Whoever I has the non-craziest mom or what? That, and I wonder if anyone in the room knows my favorite wild player that's playing today. Okay, so if somebody could pick that, that's how they get it? Yes. Okay. Carp, you want to take a guess since you seem to want the book for your mom? You want to give him a hint? Especially because he wants to give it to his mom, so we got to figure out a way to, to get this to him. Just came back from injury. Well, that could be anybody. <laughs> yeah, so... About half the lineup. Is he Floridian? No. Okay. Has a brother or two. There you go. There you go. There you go. You got your mom a gift. So Carp came here once just to show. Actually, you know what? Carp's mom might be crazy. Because Carp let. So, so last, at the end of last season, Carp shows up to one of our podcasts. So I go over to talk to him. Turns out that he was having like major stomach issues. Oh. He decided to stop here on the way to the hospital. About that. That's crazy. Yeah, that is pretty crazy. That's but crazy. we're going to still give you the book. So congratulations, Carp. Well, thanks, Jody, for coming on. Again, it's Hockey Moms Aren't Crazy. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it. Where else can you get it? Lots of gift stores. Um, Good Things White Bear Lake. I'll actually be there for one of the days for Hockey Minnesota to kick off Hockey Minnesota Very there. Very cool. Um, if you get bookstores, gift stores, Amazon, if they don't have it, ask them. They'll carry it. Nice. Uh, if you are like most people, you've been wondering if the real estate market is going to crash. Well, I went right to the expert Chris Lindahl and asked him. Chris started in 2009, and as we all know, there, will, there were absolutely similar tensions back then. So I want to know where we were headed. Here's what Chris told me. The supply of homes would have, to, would have to outweigh demand, not be at all-time lows for a crash to happen. The average days on the market would need to spike as well. If you look right now, houses are sitting on the market longer. Prices are being cut a lot too, but the seasons and market have both been shifting so hard to say if the sky is falling. Number one thing that people can control right now is their equity being at all-time highs. Homeowners that want to guarantee that they keep their equity need to be proactive now. 
not wait until it's too late, which is why so many are coming to Chris at KLRE for their guaranteed offer program. It's a great hedge against high inflation and interest rates vaporizing people's equity. Request your no-obligation guaranteed offer right now by going to chrislindahl.com. Terms and conditions apply. There you go. Here's a word from Bosch Law Firm. Hey, hockey fans, Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call's always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. Great place to go hang out and watch a hockey game is the Ice House at Fogarty Arena. It's a great new restaurant, great spot. If you're out there for a high school game or a youth game, youth tournament, stop in and grab a cocktail or grab some uh, lunch or breakfast before or after games. But it's also a great place to go catch the Minnesota Wild, on a, even if you're not out there for a game yourself. It's right connected to the arena. It overlooks the curling rinks there. It's a great spot with a solid menu. Check it out. It's the Ice House at Fogarty Arena. You'll be at Hockey Day of Minnesota, right? I will be. I'll uh, be there for all day long. I've got, I'm going to call two of the high school games, the Monomedi... Hermantown game and the Hill Murray White Bear Lake game, and then shoot downtown for the for the wild game to cap it off. So I'll have three games that day. I'm excited about it. We've actually got a high school hockey package back on Valley Sports North this year, which I'm really excited about. I'm gonna get. To, I'm gonna do a few of the games. Really? Yeah, the the ones that fit around the wild schedule. But I think it's a either 12 or 16 game package. I'm gonna do maybe six or seven of them. I think Kevin Gorg will work with me. Louie Nanny's gonna do. At least a couple of them with me, and nice. I'm really excited about it. I, I've I miss the days of covering high school hockey in Minnesota, so this will be exciting to get back and and do some games in the and not just the hockey day games, but actual high school games in the high school arenas and everything. It's going to be a lot of fun. No, uh, the, what what day is hockey day, Minnesota? By the way, January January twenty eighth, something 28th? whatever the Saturday so, is. Around uh, there. The Flyers, I think, are in town. That no, it's game. Buffalo. Okay, Buffalo. Which is which is a great fit. So then the twenty sixth then would be whatever the Saturday is. Okay, but it's the Buffalo's got so many ties to Minnesota that it's it's a great fit to have them be the team here. Interesting, interesting. Um, what do you think of Philip Gustafson right now? I mean, you know, he was giving me. I thought he was good. Yeah. On Saturday night, the game before that, I was concerned. Yeah, that's what I mean. It was like a, a little heart attack rent. You know wrenching a couple games ago and then he really just... a couple games i didn't think he was great against san jose i thought he I, he was not very good at all against pittsburgh but then i thought he was great against carolina what's your gut say on flower you think we see him at practice tomorrow and he plays wednesday or would they Probably. wait till friday i would guess we'll see him and he'll play wednesday i really think they were looking at it i have no this is all just conjecture but they were probably going to give gustafson one or the other of the starts against Pittsburgh and Carolina and probably just looked at it with Flurry and said, if we put him on IR and just wait until Wednesday, we give him a week and really mm-hmm. he only misses one game that he otherwise would have played. So I think it was just a, let's just make sure he's right, make sure he's healthy, he's rested, and then let's go. Yeah. You have another question? Here you go. Yeah, why not? I really want the TBT tickets. So Nice. 
I forgot about that. We're going to be giving and those away, I shouldn't away have said too. that out loud because now someone else is going to ask another question. Yeah. Um, so I was in Seattle for the Wild Kraken game, saw a lot of green sweaters, which was cool. Makes me wonder, who do you think is the fan base that travels best on the road? Well, That's hard to say. Is, yeah. yeah, is different than transplanted fans because I think wherever you go, there are a ton of Maple Leaf fans. When you go and Montreal fans, and you see it here too, the fans of teams that have been that, or they've been fans of those teams before their own city had a team, and so I don't really think those fans are fans that travel. I would think the fans that Minnesota's right up there in terms of fans that actually travel to games. Chicago's probably close in that area, I would guess, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Chicago, I mean, as Anthony said, I mean, it, it, the big thing, like, like with Montreal, Toronto, like that, there's a reason why Florida and Tampa always have a ton of home games in December because there's so many snowbirds that actually live down there during the winter time. Um, but, but then when you go to Arizona, I mean, it feels like half the building is from Toronto or Montreal when they're down there. Like Same I'm actually, with when Minnesota's there, but those yeah. aren't necessarily people who traveled there. They're just people who live there right. now or, or vacation there, live there in the winter. And when, but there are some cities where when Toronto or Montreal or Boston or when those teams are in town, you can't get a ticket yeah. because there's so many of those fans living in those cities and but in terms of the fans that actually travel, I'm amazed every time. There are a few cities that we visit where Vegas is one, Nashville's one, Denver. When you're Denver, when you're walking the streets, there are wild fans everywhere. Everywhere. And Arizona's another. That there are just a few cities that yeah. you don't feel like you're outside of St. Paul. But there are also you know there are also destination cities. Like I was just in Vegas for the Blues Vegas game, and there were tons of Blues fans there. Um, I'm going to see uh, Buffalo and Montreal play Arizona next month. I'll be down in Arizona doing a project. And that, that game against Montreal, I think, is already sold out. So, I mean, which isn't hard in the 4,500. But if you actually look, if you go to, like, the secondary sites right now, you can get Arizona Coyote tickets for the rest of the year on those. They're selling. They're super expensive, though. Um, but th that game in particular is like very close to being sold out. So it just shows you that a ton of Montreal fans either live down there or are coming, right? You know what's interesting is it, last year the Wild had a trip where they went to Arizona and then to Vegas. And we weren't televising in Arizona, so I went straight to Vegas. And let's say it was a Thursday night the Wild were playing. And I was there on Monday. And been in the city for when, – when the Wild are playing there, it's – Two days beforehand, you'll see people in Minnesota gear everywhere. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I was walking down the street, and I walked past a guy in a Flyers jersey. And it's like, well, that's weird. And I looked it up. They were playing the Flyers the next night, and I ended <laughs> up going to the game. But it was, it was the first – I only saw one guy the whole time I was there wearing Philadelphia apparel. Mm -hmm. And when you went to the game, it was 98% Vegas fans as opposed to when the Wild are out there, you feel like you're in a 50-50 building in terms of fans for the two teams. So it, it is different. There's, there's no question Minnesota travels well, especially to a few cities. Looks like at the Wild broke this Kochetkov guy. He's already given up two goals. It's, I think the most that he's ever given up in a game. So uh, they're down, uh, Winnipeg's up two. How about that guy the other night, by the way? He's a pretty good goalie. Yeah, he is good. And there were, the Hurricanes are high on him. And... I think the bigger question they've got is what's going on with Freddie Anderson, who just always seems to be injured yeah. and if always he, yeah. seems to be 
I don't know if unwilling is the right word, but no, I don't think it is the wrong, right word. Unless wrong he's a hundred percent, he that guy just, pimple pops and he's out a month. And but they're excited about Kochetkov and his. You could see why he's a mobile guy. He's a creative guy with the way he plays the puck. Yep. I think he's going to be a good goaltender. By the way, I worked their room the other day for this other project I'm working on, and I interviewed Antti Ranta for the first time in my life. Holy crap! I want him on the Wild. He might be. He is so like chatty and nice like he'd be the perfect guy for a beat writer to cover um he is just as good a dude as as i've uh seen from a goaltending perspective um and again when you think again that english isn't his first language but couldn't have been nicer um question uh freddie goudreau is on a contract year are the wild gonna keep him move on yeah, what do you think an eight-year extension i think um over dean evison's Dead body. Will Freddie yeah. Goudreau not get extended? There's a lot of variables there with with what the rest of the lineup looks like. But he's a guy that wouldn't be overly expensive to keep. He brings a lot to the table. He's a guy that you could use in a lot of, as a fourth line guy. He could move up in the lineup in a pinch. Good penalty killer. Yeah, responsible guy. That I think there's no reason not and to it, bring him yeah. back. And I gotta believe he'd love to stay as well. So exactly. I, I think they'll like, figure it out. If you think of it from Freddie's perspective, when do you, as a player, find this type of fit with a coach? When you have a coach that when you when you're Freddie Goudreau and you've bounced around a little bit and you haven't gotten you know long term deals, you'd be willing to stay here. I think for you know a two or three year deal again. And not a significant, not a major, major uh, uh, raise as well. So, um, you know, any other questions before we uh, wrap up the show? Any? You have anything you want to talk about, Anthony? Not really, other than that, I think it's. What do you make of the rest of this homestand? Well, that, I, mean, I was that, just going to say yeah. this homestand to me is intriguing because of the fact that it's number one, the length. To be at home for seven games in a row is strange. But to be this early in the season and be facing a homestand that I think is as important, as critical as this homestand is to this season, and it isn't an easy stand in terms of the opponents. Pittsburgh and Carolina already, but you've got Winnipeg and Toronto coming in next. It's a but I think that Friday game is always hairy. It is, and I, I think this homestand was as important as a November homestand could possibly be for a team. Mm-hmm. And, and it's so far created a little energy, but they've got to get some of that magic that they had a year ago in front of their home fans. No doubt about it. Barb, before we call up Margo. <laughs> um, just wondered uh, what, uh, how, how you can address like the practice schedule. Um, I believe Dean canceled the practice last week, and then they... We're off yesterday and today. Yeah, those were those were scheduled. Um, I mean, they, you know, they, uh, I mean, Anthony, you want to? Most of their practice schedule is set already. It very rarely changes, and it's there've been occasion where it's a travel day, and they've realized guys are fatigued after a game, and they say, let's just go straight to the plane tomorrow. And in those cases, then usually you'll see everybody on the ice for a morning skate. I think they've got a pretty good handle on on that balance. And in this case, they had three days in a row or three days yeah. off between games. So they gave them back-to-back days off to get away, rest, recuperate, recover. And now they'll practice on Tuesday, play on Wednesday. And you know, this, I, this practice schedule, when you look at the way they have it laid out, it very rarely changes yeah. other than travel right days. Right now, actually, it's, it's, it's interesting. Next week, they're scheduled to practice two days in a row, even though they have three days off. And I wonder if they change that where they 
do it like this. Especially, like, let's just say they come out and beat Winnipeg. You know that that's going to change, right? They're going to say, oh, there's a, there's a little formula that worked two days in a row off and then, and then, uh, and then do it. So we'll see it. So, um, any other questions? Margo, you want to come up? No? Don't you think Margo should come up? Well, I'm in favor of it, but... Margo, come on up here. Margo. She'll just save her questions for the ride home. I know how it works. <laughs> and it's, it usually has very want, little to do with the wild. I don't want questions from her. I want her to sit there and... and uh, I want her to sit there and, and maybe... Like rip, Offer rip critique. On. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. there's been plenty of critiquing. So, All right, well, then uh, I think that would uh, do it. Unless those people want to come back and just chat. It's shocking chat they didn't chat. get the hint. I mean, I'm, honestly, put me in a worst mood. I almost made an example How of How dare them, they talk so at a table in a restaurant? They were just screaming, though. <laughs> like, I, like, totally oblivious to the fact that there was a podcast. Like, everybody around them were looking at them like, hello, I can't hear. And they just couldn't care less. So, anyway, question? <laughs> oh, actually, one quick thing. While Jody was up here, Patrice Bergeron just scored his career 1,000th point. Nice. That's pretty good. See you, Steve. But thanks to our awesome uh, sponsors. Again, November 28th, we'll be back here at Tuttle's. Uh, we'll have three games to chat about uh, coming up here in the next little bit before that next podcast. Uh, so that's a week ago, a week from today, November 28th, 7 p.m. here at Tuttle's. Uh, thanks, as always, to our Tuttle's. Uh, when are we? I think we're at Split Rocks again, December 13th, by the way. So definitely come on out there if you're in the northern burgs. Burbs. Uh, thanks to Grain Pelt, as always. We're going to do that uh, raffle right now after the show. Aquarius Home Services, your installers of Connecticut Water Treatment Systems, Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling, Royal Credit Union, Kowalski's, Chris Lindahl Real Estate, Bosch Law Firm, and Moe's Tavern. Thanks, everybody, for coming on out. So much coming out, there's nothing going in. I know that you feel like you're never going to win. Oh, but the world won't forgive a winner. Like, I thought I made it clear when I said that, my, that I had Lepanta, who I don't want in my ears, as loud as possible. So I could drown them out, but that didn't seem to catch their uh, attention. But we finally drove them right out of here. <laughs>